Ladies and gentlemen, before we get to the show, I wanted to let you know that the Handlebar is a lovely craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico, and they have an even lovelier happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., during which you get a dollar off all of their craft beers on draft. They have 28 of them. I'm not kidding. That's a real deal. Seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's four hours at the Handlebar. A dollar off any of their awesome draft beers. You can drink them inside, at the bar, at a table. You can drink them outside on their newly renovated gorgeous patio. It's lovely here in Chico right now. Johnny and I highly encourage you to check them out. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street, south end of town, right next to Winco, right next to Best Buy. Again, that's the Handlebar. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast from radio show based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. Johnny Summers here. Welcome back. This week on the show, our review of Vengeance. It's a film written and directed by, most famously, The Office, B.J. Novak. He also stars as a radio writer, podcaster, newsletter writer, aspiring uh, writer in general, who travels to Texas to explore the death of an old romantic fling of his, but more on that later. That's right. Beers this week come from Hot Butcher for the World out of Darien, Illinois, a brewery we last visited in September 2021 on episode 239 when we covered Cop Shop. Max has a history of loving their beer, but more on that later. This week we are drinking Ale America the Beautiful, it's a pale ale, and The Jewels. It's a double IPA. They are both using mosaic hops, so you could say it's a bit of a showcase this It week. is, it is. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, hope you're having a fantastic Thursday evening. You're only going to hear the first beer review of our show and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of the movie Vengeance. Yes, but if they want to hear the full conversation, which includes spoilers for Vengeance, review of the second beer, and the incomparable Hot and Bothered, where would they go? Johnny Summers, they could go to Spotify, they could go to SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts you can find our lovely voices we do release new episodes every friday morning at 7 a.m so if you like the show feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on apple podcasts and uh, let us know you did we love that sort of thing for everywhere you can find us on the internet you should go to instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema letterbox for film reviews and untapped for beer reviews all at fresh hop cinema or our website freshhopcinema.com Let's talk Patreon, Johnny. Tell Let's me. Do it. Tell, well, don't tell me. Tell everybody who might not know what Patreon even is. Well, besides being the best website in the world, it's the coolest gang of folks that have ever assembled, sometimes at secret locations here in Chico to have amazing parties, sure. like we did this last weekend. Sure. Uh, it is a way that you, the faithful listener, can become so much more. You can become a supporter of this show. Keep it going. Keep the fun happening. Uh, for as little as $1 a week, you can. Support us. You can get first run at merch, access to events. We've been really cranking out the bonus content every mm-hmm. single week. Last week, we reviewed a really cool beer. This week, we are doing a smoothie seltzer, yeah. and that's all you get unless you're on Patreon. Nice. So there's a lot to offer. It's a lot of fun. If you want more of us and to be more involved in the little community that we are creating, highly recommend you should join Patreon like our two new friends. Yeah, Matt and Sebastian, thank you for joining, guys. Um, this is a, we, I like to try to give a shout-out to patrons anytime we have uh, new ones. So, you guys, thank you for joining. We appreciate the support. Looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better, maybe at an event. Um, and also, I guess we'll say now, 
we had an event over the weekend and for our regular monthly bar hangs and things like that, they usually get a shout out here in the beginning, but I think Sparklegasm was uh, dense enough that it deserves its own sort of chat during Hot and Bothered. What do you think? I think it's time. Okay. Um, so we'll leave that alone for now. Once again, that is patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. If you are so inclined, it's like two minutes if you want to sign up and we super appreciate the support. But in the meantime, Johnny Summers, that is our housekeeping out of the way. You've picked out beers for this week's episode. So start talking, walk me through it. I have. I'm actually going to let you tell me a little bit about the webs about the brewery, and then I'm going to jump in and tell you about what we're drinking today. Sure. Okay, so Hot Butcher for the World, like you said earlier, we covered them back on episode 239 when we covered a, an action film called Cop Shop, and uh, they're out of Darien, Illinois. Um, and if you're curious, the brewery gets its name from a line in a Carl Sandburg poem called Chicago. Chicago itself is about 45 minutes from the brewery, which sits, like I said, in Darien, so that makes total sense. And they have a little bit on their website regarding their name, and they say, quote, for starters, we love hops and we use them a lot. The multitude of occasions to use hops within the brewing process is boundless and we explore the experiment relentlessly, forever in the name of incredible flavors and worldly aromatics. The quote-unquote butcher portion of our namesake is thankfully less bloody than the history behind it, but there's no shortage of inspiration drawn from those passionate and knowledgeable about their craft like the butchers we know and love are. We hope you find us to be that same brand of approachable, except with hops, grain, yeast, and water in a brewery instead of a butcher shop and a meat-filled counter. Finally, at some point, you'll refer to us simply as Hop Butcher, and we're cool with that, but the, quote, for the world, unquote, part is an important and meaningful element of our name. It inspires the ingredients we use, the characters on our labels, the balance of our beers, how we communicate, and more. It guides everything from who we partner with to where our cans and kegs are distributed, and where they someday might be distributed. I'm confused about that last sentence, though I do think I read it correctly. <laughs> Am I chipping out? No. So where they are currently distributed, like where they've chosen oh, their I beer see. to go. Great. And, and where then, it might go. Yeah. In the future times. Perfect. Uh, so we last covered Hot Butcher for the World, like we said, September 2021. 20, yeah. Uh, we did a beer called Blazed Orange Milkshake. Mm. It was a milk, or Blazed mm. Orange, sorry. It was sure. a milkshake IPA that was 7.5%. I gave it a highly commendable 8.1. Great score. Young Maxwell gave it a 10. Man, it was a good beer. I vaguely remember it. I remember really liking it. Yeah. Um, and I, it's always great to have breweries on the show that have earned a perfect score. Uh, to kind of, It's almost like they're coming back to defend their title. Totally, man. So we'll see if they can follow up. The other beer we did on that episode was called Herbs in Hordo. It was an Imperial New England IPA that was also 7.5%. We liked it slightly less, still way above average. It was a 7.7 seven for me and an 8 for Max. Yeah. On to this week, the present. Let's get into it. We are drinking Ale America the Beautiful. It is, again, from Hot Butcher for the World. It's a mosaic hopped American Pale Ale. Uh, only mosaic, so that's where the showcase love begins. Uh, we love mosaic hops around these parts. It is a six percent American Pale Ale, and as you know, a mosaic hop is going to be having some berry notes, sure, a little bit of pininess and some earthiness. It's kind of a, a, a one of the more well balanced hops. So because you're, you're going to get some of those fruity notes, a little floral, a little earthy, a little piney. Uh, that's what you should be, dude. Getting. It's one that can work really well as as sort of like a hop that can give you some brightness on on the aroma in particular, or or, or the flavor even, or some really intense heft if you do it right in in the. Uh well, depending on where you throw it in the brewing process, I think I think it works as a lot of it can wear a lot of different hats, I suppose. Um, I'm most familiar with mosaic in IPAs and a good West Coast IPA. I think mosaic shines. Mm -hmm. I'm less confident in a pale ale. 
because I think there's not always enough alcohol body to back up that kind of bitterness you can get from this. Makes sense. But it could also be a little bit more mellow. I see that you're drinking it a little bit. Uh, what is your initial impression of Ale America the Beautiful? It's got a nice smell to it. <clears throat> you're getting a lot of the things you would expect. It's it's piney. It, there's a, definitely a little bit of fruit on the nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It smells like it's going to be bright. It sits in the palate really light. It's a, a kind of a soft, bubbly carbonation. It's not crazy, like tingly carbonated, but nice mouthfeel. Uh, really, really, um, I'm getting a lot of that berry kind of on the finish, like yep. the last three quarters of this. You get that juicy kind of tang almost that the the, the bitterness kind of transitions into. Really solid pale ale. I'm liking the balance uh, between the malt bill and the, the hot profile. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's a brewery here called Sierra Nevada. I've heard of Sierra Nevada. Uh, yeah. And they, they're really famous for this beer called Pale Ale. Sure. And that beer is fantastic, but you have to be in the mood for it because it does have a very distinct hot profile and super distinct malt profile more specifically. It is definitely like a malt-heavy pale ale. Yes. Um, and it is delicious, but... Do you think it's a malt-heavy pale ale or more of just a very aggressively like centennial hopped pale ale that gives it some heft? Because I, when I think malty, like I, my go-to is still Lagunitas, mm-hmm. which I think, and granted, uh, IPA to pale ale, not an exact analog, mm-hmm. but I would still say like a Lagunitas IPA is the malty hefty one, whereas like pale ale is more definitely heavy, but I wouldn't call it malty necessarily. It's got a pronounced malt bill. You for think sure. so? I, I always just yeah. I always latch onto the hot profile on that one more than maybe not more than anything, but it's up there for me at least even with the malt. We should revisit that beer again critically. Have we done it on the show ever? I don't think so. I imagine we would. We should do pale ale for bonus next week. That'd be fun. Sure. On yeah. Sure. That like sounds great. A classic that like we've never actually picked apart. Yeah, I think that that's a great idea. Let's put our critical yeah. lenses on. Okay. Uh, but in my opinion, no sneak previews. But I think that's it's not malt forward, but it is malt heavy. Yes. Uh, and it's got an identifiable malt bill. This one, I like the balance. I love that it's not super, the malt's not pushed out front. You're getting a nice drinking experience. It's bitter up front, finishes pretty dry. Like my mouth is pretty dried out right now. Um, this is solid. It's smooth. It's light on the palate. It's easy drinking. It's not blowing my mind, but it's really, like it's well made. It's uh, enjoyable. I would buy it again. I, okay, great. I don't love it. I think there's something pretty fundamentally lacking here. And I'm not sure if it's like a pizzazz or a wow factor that I'm just not getting. And and maybe it's like a totally doesn't make too many waves kind of beer. And it could be that I was expecting something a little bit punchier because of our last experience with this brewery. Yeah. But it's fairly underwhelming. uh, If you ask me, I think, I think there's some decent flavors there. Um, but it's not really anything that's surprising me or, or catching me off guard or, or, or um, you know, positive or negative, I suppose. It's, yeah. it's totally okay on my first couple sips. There's some pininess there. There's a little bit of fruitiness, um, but nothing that skews it any direction um, in a standout kind of sense. I think that's kind of to be expected for a pale ale. There's never, in my recollection, been a pale ale where I'm like, this is the best beer I've had in two months. I'm sure, well... You know what I'm saying? Pale ales are a very unassuming style that's I, I feel traditionally like, true yeah mm-hmm. i don't i can't recall many pillows that have ever blown my socks off i'm so bad at this because i'm sure there are some and i feel like if i listened to somebody else saying this if i was just listening to a podcast i'd be like no no, no you have like this and this but like i'm in like 
reviewing of this beer mode. We but should yeah. ch- we should check our website after this. We totally could. You can it's filter there. by style. Yeah. in our reviews now. Yeah, up to well, for like the last seven months. Yeah, but well, maybe it's I'll work on that. Still pretty good. Um, that said, we haven't done a lot of pale ales in the past seven months. Yeah. Um, well, they're not a very prominent style. Like, well, we, that maybe that's the thing we're getting at is like there's t- every brewery has one or two pale ales. But they're not really the ones that they're sending out in promo packets, or you don't think so? I don't think every brewery has one or two pale ales. Yeah, well, every brewery has like a couple pilsners and like four IPAs. Like I would say, not every brewery has a pale ale. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I guess that was sort of a blanket statement, but it does. I mean, it's a pretty solid, like a mainstay style in most craft breweries. I would think. What's Russian Riffers pale ale? You know, uh, what's isn't that the the um, what's the one with the row? It's like a specific row and malt. Is that a pale? Those are IPAs. They are? Yep. Mm. And Blind Pigs and IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, Russian River's tough because I always think of like the highlight beers. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I can't name another. I'm sure we could if we went down the list. But but you know, they're like the bigger macro breweries like Deschutes, Mirror Pond Pale. Sure, yeah. They're out there, but it's definitely not like a highlight of, of a lot of well, so yeah so regardless of whether or not everybody has one you certainly don't see them promoing them like and maybe that's a testament to the demand in the market like even with the rise of hazy ipas before that it was like ipas and it was it was aggression and like mm-hmm. the thing that could make the most waves so i i appreciate that there might be a lack of sensationalism for a paleo yeah that said when there is a good one i think it's that's it then it's about that i think it's good mm-hmm. um it never makes waves though not really yeah um though i would like to find the one that does and if there was going to be one in my book it would be one that featured a mosaic hop and i think where i am the least warm on this beer is that the mosaic hop isn't doing the thing that i really like that it does traditionally in ipas which is that poppiness that zesty that fruity quality that emphasizes kind of the the upper end of the flavor spectrum uh i guess by upper end i mean like yeah like the sharpness and the zestiness uh, i think this is super fruity yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, man, it's just, it's just a little bit more on the on the dull side for me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I mean, not sure if, if it's the malt going with it, but there's just not enough of the zippiness that I typically like. You're completely whelmed. Yeah, yeah, it's like a pretty solid beer. Like I'm happy to drink it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's fair. I think I'm pretty similar of a in a similar mindset. There. It's too sweet, dude. Yeah, is that it's, what's it's it? It's too what it sweet is? for sure. Um, and maybe that's where I'm. I didn't mean to cut you off. By the way, I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, maybe it's not a total maltiness that I'm getting, but it's a sweetness that is also kind of on the opposite end of the flavor spectrum from the zippy zappiness that I'm describing, particularly in a mosaic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's uh, to to keep bringing it back to Sierra Nevada's pale ale. But that was what I thought last time I drank theirs. I was like, man, this is sweet. Yeah, yeah, I think that lack of hoppiness, not lack of hoppiness, but lack of the brightness in the hops, can really emphasize. Well, it the, is the sweetness, though, too. I mean, pale ales have less hops than IPAs, yeah, sure, so sure. it's a factor. We got to drink we more pale ales. We both like this. Yeah. Enough. No, absolutely. I like it. You want to give a shout out to the can? I know you like doing that sometimes. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I liked the the name, the uh, Ale America. Mm-hmm. I thought it was clever. Mm-hmm. Really liked the like the wood grainy like American flag with hops instead of stars. It just it caught my eye. Yeah. I think this was canned uh, mid-June, so it was their 4th of July release. Yeah, great. It kind of fit well into the, the theme this week, too. Yeah. If you're yeah. just listening to the podcast feed, by the way, I feel like sometimes that's not helpful. We're, we're, it's like six weeks old for us. Yeah. Uh, unless I don't want to make someone like crash their car. Like, what's today's date? Is it uh, the 4th of July? Yeah. So six weeks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think this is about what it should taste like. And I think what it tastes like is pretty okay. Well, Max, what do you rate a pale ale that just whelms you? Dude, it's just above average. It's a six for me. Yeah? Yeah. What about you? I was gonna, I was thinking like be- between six, five, and seven. Okay. It's a solid pill. I'm going to go six, eight. Sounds great. Um, I was noticing, by the way, like, so I do a 10-point rating system, pretty straightforward, because I don't get into the decimals, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about it, because I punch in our ratings on our website, you have a 100-point rating system. 
mm-hmm. which is nuts. Cause like, I really want to get in one day into the nitty gritty of like, what, what's the difference? Like what is, what earns you a, a 0.8 versus a 0.7? Like we don't have to talk about that now, but that's a long conversation. It's a lot of pressure. I think like you have such a, such a huge sliding scale. Yeah. A lot of it's just feel, man. Yeah, okay. It's, this beer feels like a six eight. This beer on a different day, correct me if I'm wrong, could have been a six seven. This beer, if I was drinking it ten feet to my right yeah. outside, okay. would have been like an eight point five. You live on the wild side, man. I do. It's 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 set and setting. Sure. It's mood. I mean, and that's that's, that's how, beer for you, man. Well, that's how people consume everything. Yeah. It's set setting mindset everything. Yeah, agreed. You have anything else on Ale America, the beautiful from Hot Butcher for the world? Solid pale ale. I think it's worth a try. Okay. Uh, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on a Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you get a chance to try this beer or any other beers from Hot Butcher for the World, we want to know what you think. So please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out. And while you're at it, take a wicked awesome selfie of yeah, yourself yeah. drinking it and tag us on your Instagrams at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com if you've tried any of these beers or watched this movie. In the meantime, if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Now you're going to hear a trailer for this week's movie, Vengeance. Don't worry, there's no spoilers in the next segment, so stick around. I have a story. Okay. I'm in West Texas, where this family just lost their daughter to an opiate overdose. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's okay, it's not someone I was close to. But you flew to Texas for it? Uh... Yes, uh, it was a girl I hooked up with a few times. Her family thought that we were more serious than I did. I've heard so much about you. I've, I've heard, yeah. Evelyn just didn't die, she was murdered. What? And the two of us are gonna avenge her death. So as like a personal boundary, I don't avenge deaths. But here's what I can do. I'm gonna record everything that you think happened to Evelyn. And we'll put it on a podcast, and we'll see where it leads. What evidence does he have that it was a murder? Nothing. And that's the story. What's this podcast about? A new American reality where people invent these conspiracies. You got deep state, pill pushers, cartels, the law. Because the truth is too hard to accept. My Prius exploded. Oh, my God. What if you were driving a real car with gas and stuff? The problem isn't that these people aren't smart. The problem is that they are. How do you take your coffee? In the mouth. If you want people to open up to you, you gotta act like one of us. Who here is a diehard fan of the University of Texas? (laughs) And who here is a fan of Texas Tech? What if she was murdered? This just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Looks like two pairs of prints, cowboy boots. Calling out an APB to find two men wearing cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to her? Why do you care so much? Why do you care so little? You're so lucky in you, Emily. I really don't know what you saw in me. Art sees art. Texas has a full word. You can't solve something like this with a 45. It's the breakdown of society is what it is. Yes, ma'am. I think that's very wise. You're going to need a 12-gauge, a couple of ARs, no. Western yep. Automatic, and no. a sidearm yep. for no. safety. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening to us on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get quality podcasts. 
It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever you find your podcasts. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough, go have a listen to the rest of the show. And what you just heard was a trailer for Vengeance. BJ Novak plays Ben Manalowitz. He's a junior writer for The New Yorker, an aspiring podcaster struggling with discovering his voice. He spends his nights drinking with his close friend John Mayer and hooking up with different women affectionately saved in his phone as, like, brunette random party or Texas. He's awoken suddenly one night by a phone call informing him that his girlfriend is dead and that the funeral is being held in a few days' time. On the other end of that phone call is Ty Shaw, played here by Boyd Holbrook. He's most famously, uh, I think, in my book at least, the bad guy from Logan mm-hmm. with, the, with the claw hand. Uh, I didn't recognize him until today. He's the brother of the dead and, by his estimation, murdered Abilene. Now, under the misconception that Ben was the longtime boyfriend of his sister, Ty insists that Ben fly out for the funeral and get to know the family. Then, for some reason, maybe compelled by politeness, a, a drunken sleepy haze, and perhaps the opportunity of capturing the story of at least his lifetime, he heads to Texas to begin to unravel the mystery, Ira Glass style, of the death of Abilene Shaw. Johnny Summers, Vengeance. This came across our radar sort of last minute. Um, we both thought it looked uh, fun and enticing to some extent. Uh, how was it? What did you think of it? Yeah, it looked like a new idea and a new take on a movie, and so that's always inspiring. Plus, uh, I think it's safe to say we're both big B.J. Novak fans. Yeah, to some extent. To some extent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. I haven't seen like a ton of his stuff. And this is his directorial debut, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, so I definitely haven't seen a lot of his movies, nor and are writing. there. Yeah, and writing, sure. Yeah. Um, but The Office, certainly. Absolutely. He had a so, turn in the newsroom. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. So we have a soft spot in our hearts for young B.J. Novak. That being said, this movie had its his fingerprints all over it. If you're familiar with B.J. Novak's brand of of comedy or or writing in general, the episodes of The Office that he wrote were very dry, very mm-hmm. sarcastic, very deadpan. Uh, you know, what kind of, what line of work are you in, Bob? Type yeah, situation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it, it had a feel of a B.J. Novak thing, uh, but it kind of got outside of that. I loved that he didn't lean on that style so much uh, i i was afraid in like the first act of this movie that it was going to um it was a movie that was really like not steeped in metaphor it was just kind of narrating metaphor so it was it was guiding you through this thing this movie kind of shifts gears in this plot about three times about what it's about and you know it kind of plays with the viewer in what they need to take seriously and and in the writing and acting of this plot, you, the viewer, are pointed in different directions with your own feelings and what you think you're caring about. Then you get new perspectives, and it's about a lot of things. I mean, this movie deals with issues of you know hookup culture and the drug war and uh, exploitation and the exploitation of people that you're trying to get on podcasts, the caricaturization. So it was multifaceted in its ideas. I, I think it borders on having too many things to say. Um, it was really very close to that. If it went maybe one or two steps more in things I'm supposed to care about and, and points of view that it needs to take, it would have become tedious. But I think it was dialed in enough to kind of know what it wants to say by the end. Um, and I think that's part of the point of this movie. It was, uh, you know, a, a movie about growth and a little bit of self-discovery in some ways for B.J. Novak's character. So by the end, you're kind of all in. Like I was all in. 
I loved a lot of the characters in this movie. I loved the family in Texas. I love Ty. I love Ashton Kutcher. Surprisingly good. His, I didn't mention him. Yet. Yeah, yeah, his, totally. His, his dialogues in this movie. Give um, me like a brief, like what's his character? So he was a record producer at a at a record ranch, kind of in the middle of nowhere, yeah. where Abilene, the deceased, uh, recorded some music, and that was kind of her dream was to move to New York and become a, a music star, and that's right. where she recorded her demos and whatnot. Sweet. And every time B.J. Novak and Ashton Kutcher were on screen together, it was kind of electric. Uh, so I really loved their interactions. I loved the way that Ashton Kutcher's character was written. Surprisingly dynamic and insightful, uh, which was wild. Wasn't expecting that at all. This movie hit me with a lot of things I wasn't expecting. It was thought-provoking. It was very entertaining. It was incredibly touching at moments and also very funny when it wanted to be, when it was needing to be, without seeming to try too hard. And that's kind of that understated you know, deadpan humor. BJ Novak thing. The BJ Novak thing. When that came into play, it worked. Uh, But it wasn't too heavy handed. And I think that that was really smart of him to not play that hand too strongly. Um, I did have a lot, a few problems with the third act that we'll get into in the danger zone. Overall, I was very pleased with this movie. It was a pleasant surprise. I enjoyed it a lot. It was completely written and executed and acted from perspectives that I haven't seen in a movie. And I I really dug some of the stuff about just the brass tacks of making a podcast (laughs) when Eloise, his, his producer is telling him to not talk over people and encouraging smiles. Just, I was cracking up. I knew that you were going to get a kick out of certain parts of that. So, um, yeah, overall I was, I was very, very pleased with this movie and I liked it quite a bit. Sweet. Yeah. The, the podcast creation side of this thing is great. It's the same, thing that that tugged my interest when we watched hearts beat loud the nick offerman and uh kiersey clemens film from a while back um which is like a father and daughter making music together and like we got to see like i'm a musician so like i liked watching the music get made like i like watching things get made especially things that i make great movie um you mentioned that this was a, a a new idea or a new type of movie. I think you said that when you started talking. And I, I don't think this is a new idea, but it is a new way of putting it on film. Because like 2000, I think 13 or 14, a, a, a true crime podcast came out called like Serial. Everybody listened to Serial. If you listen to podcasts at the time, you listened to Serial. It was like a huge thing. And then S-Town happened and all these sort of true crime middle America things. And we, we in the big cities on the coast get to experience these. And the only time I've seen that happen is when I don't see it, it's in podcasts, I hear it. So the idea of putting that experience on film, I thought was very ingenious and also a very nice turn by BJ Novak. I think this whole thing is a nice first attempt at a movie by him. It's not great. If you ask me, um, it's kind of inconsistent tonally. Like you're hinting at some of this, especially in the third act. Um, there's a whole family in Texas that he meets and a lot of those characters are underdeveloped or don't need to be there at all. Um, there's some sketchy editing stuff that happens. I think almost like he missed a couple of important shots. I'm just like filling it with some random cuts that I found kind of distracting. Um, I also think there's, there's an element to a lot of this true crime stuff that happens. So if, if the movie basically follows the template, I think of like a true crime podcast, like big city reporter goes to small town America and then like interviews people. And there's an element in all, in almost all those of making the people that you're interviewing, portraying them as kind of like, kooky, weird sort of hillbillies. Like that's a thing. There's one of my favorite documentaries of all time is called Vernon, Florida. And it's like a very, just set it and forget it camera thing. You just watch these people. And that's about the only way to capture people. If you're from like a big city to not make it feel like you're making fun of them. 
And that's something this movie addresses very early on. It's clear that he's kind of like a stuck-up city guy, and he's literally at a party with John Mayer, and they're talking about like how many girls are having sex with, and like, whatever. That's his character. I get it. At some point in the movie, he needs to develop past that and form a bond with these people. And there's a conflict laid out where it's like, okay, he clearly sees them as like country bumpkins, so how do we get past it? And the movie doesn't commit to that thematic element very well, and it also kind of changes lanes a few times um, with regards to kind of stuff you were saying. Um, like the main conflict is like, was she, was she dead? Did she overdose on drugs or was she murdered? Like, are we going to find out some cool stuff? And it goes down that lane too and ends up in a certain way, which is fine. But it's the stuff along the way that I think here in the movie and also in those podcasts are what make them compelling. Like you get to know these people. Um, and it doesn't do a great job there. There's also a few points where key characters behave in ways that they wouldn't based on what we know about them. It just kind of comes out of the blue and felt like it was just forwarding the plot for me. But the movie's super fun to watch if you're into not super deep thrillers with with fun twists along the way. And you like um, the like if you like the sensibilities of a movie like Fargo, um, where you kind of get quirky characters that in this case aren't fully developed. But if you liked Fargo and you like that tone, some of that's here. I think it's very an okay Fargo watch. adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you're what you're saying about Ashton Kutcher and B.J. Novak on screen. Ashton Kutcher's great. He has some very similar vibes to um, Chris Hemsworth in Bad Times at the El Royale. There's a certain sort of charisma that makes these types of men dangerous, and that's felt pretty early on, but you also want to trust him and like kind of go with him. Uh, I think that was a great performance by him. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher in this movie could for sure start a cult. Yeah. Uh, I think we have a lot more to say about Vengeance, but for now, why don't we give it a rating out of 10 and go from there? Let's do it. Okay, Johnny Summers, Vengeance, out of 10. What you got, my friend? It's an 8.2. It's pretty high, dude. Pretty yeah, high I, I think I like this movie a lot more than you did. You did. In spite of its flaws, and it's probably because I'm dumber in general. No, when, it you're not. when it comes to reviewing movies critically, I'm getting better. <laughs> like, I, you, when you said that there was editing problems, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I also try not to watch movies like that. Like, I don't I don't go into movies being like, okay, I'm going to look for all the technical stuff. So when I point them out, I think they're a little bit more egregious than, than, than in your average sort of critical movie yeah you know? i've always been the the beer element of this show that goes to movies like a child i think you're selling yourself short you, show, you, no, show dude, me these you picked apart men a couple weeks ago that you were picking up stuff that i didn't even notice i think it, it depends on the movie dude that's fair um but 8.2 for you yes okay for me it's a five it's i think there was some good stuff there it wasn't executed particularly well i'd watch it again i'd show people it was a fun enough watch so that's kind of where i'm falling with vengeance um do you have anything else in this or shall we move on I think we're done, man. Okay, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Vengeance is in a theater probably near you. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Vengeance and a review of that second beer, plus Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and click that subscribe button to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And to those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, We'll be right back. Danger zone. Danger zone. Welcome to the danger zone, everybody. Here we are. If you haven't joined us for a danger zone before, it's the portion of the show where we spoil our movie of the week. So uh, if you haven't seen Vengeance and you get mad that we spoil it, uh, don't come looking for it near us. You've, you've, you've been, been warned. You've been sufficiently warned. <laughs> um, okay. We're getting into it really quick, Johnny, before we get back to the movie. How much was our first beer? We can't talk about that on the radio waves for reasons. So Ooh. how much was uh, Ballpark for uh, Ale America the Beautiful? 4 dollars 
Pretty good price. Where'd yeah. you get it? Uh, SNS. SNS Produce right here in Chico on both, Mangrove. Both our beers from SNS. It was 15 okay. bucks for both of them. Okay, sweet. So the next one, I think the next one was about seven or eight. And I was trying to do quick math in my head. Okay, so. sure. Yeah. So this would make, that would make be about one. seven or eight for this one too. So yeah, about seven or eight. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Uh, too high. Too high, I think. Although, I, I don't know. I think eight bucks would be expensive for this. But six or seven? Yeah. Decent for price. Good, good pint of pale ale? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into vengeance. Um, where do you want to start, dude? Uh, I would like to touch on the points that you had uh, mm-hmm. about the inconsistencies, and mainly the one that I identified with the most from my viewing experience was the way that some characters behaved in ways that were just completely out of left field. Sure, like at certain points, there's, and and the the out of character behavior just pushing the plot. Yeah, there's two big moments for me. Okay, are you thinking of more than that? No. Are you thinking of at least that many? Yes. Okay. The Whataburger. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the end. The end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with Whataburger. Okay. Um, to set the scene for those of you that maybe haven't seen it, don't care, or just don't remember this part. Um, this is finally like the family's finally bonded and they're sitting at Whataburger and um, which is the water Whataburger thing went on a little bit too long for me. Yeah. That joke was funny at first. Um, but again, like you could either try that it might work for you or might not if you like the BJ Novak sensibility of dryness. But um, for me, it fell into a long line of other jokes that also just like were conceptually good ideas, but maybe execution wise didn't land super well, at least for me. Yeah. Um, they're in Whataburger. The whole premise of this is that BJ Novak's character, Ben has been told that there's no way that, um, Abilene would overdose on drugs. She would, she wouldn't even touch Advil. People repeat it to the point where it's like, are you guys, are y'all pulling a fast one on him? Turns out they are. Um, cause grandma lets it slip that she was a bit of a pill popper, which by the way, fucking rude and a little soon grandma mm-hmm. saying that about your granddaughter she's, like, she's a bit of a pill popper right <laughs> that seemed whatever yeah. but fine it had to be said because we needed the next thing to happen mm-hmm. which is that uh you know a big conflict happens in the parking lot and then ben loses his shit on them. was like you all are just a bunch of you know yeah that's dumb the, idiots that's the problem with that scene that i have is it was the monologue that you're expecting from the beginning of the movie that yes. you're hoping this movie's intelligent enough for yep. it to not be necessary not only that you're hoping that by this point in the movie we've dealt with that conflict right like he spends all the time getting in the regular beats happen here like like there's a moment like he gets in his prius blows up and then the family shows up at the hospital and like that's the bond and the little brother totally bonding we have that so a i think as a plot line goes that's way too late for this conversation to be happening and even if it does happen it's not gonna go down the way that it does he's we've learned if nothing else about him he doesn't say much when he gets upset like people kind of walk all over him Mm -hmm. he's not gonna blow up like that yeah so that was and it was just like okay we have to have him get mad so we can have this happen yeah they could have handled that realization that revelation of her being you know someone that uses drugs in a way more organic way that would have fit the flow of this Mm -hmm. movie so much better yeah and uh, I mean, even if it does have to come up with a grandma, that's okay with me. It's just the way that he deals with it. And then like you get the lines, you get the the bless your heart thing a couple of times. Yeah. It, a couple of times in that conversation, which kind of takes away the power of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was just like yeah, you, the first five minutes of the movie, you're just assuming you're waiting for the, you bunch of dumb hicks. For sure. Monologue. Which mm-hmm. is the vibe. Like we get it. And like when he's sending it back to his editors, like the first idea for the show to call the podcast is dead white girl, mm-hmm. which at first feels okay to us as the audience. But even as I started to get to the family, I was like, all right, this is too insensitive. You got to change the name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you're just hoping it gets past that and yeah. you get some humanity behind it. Yeah. It felt like way too much of a step back. It didn't make sense for that character. Mm-hmm. And it was confusing furthermore on that point so once you blow up like that once you have the script blow up like that you have to resolve it mm-hmm. 
And the movie doesn't do a good job of that either. Doesn't really resolve it at all. We have, if we're calling this movie, if it has two main conflicts, A, the interpersonal conflicts between Ben and the family, B, the alleged murder, and at this point now, since we're spoiling, the basical, basical, basically murder of Abilene. Yeah. Those are the two conflicts. You have to resolve them each. I would argue neither of them really gets resolved very satisfactorily. No, yeah. Because um, the way that we come to terms again as a family I and mean, we're all happy is he shoots Ashton Kutcher. Mm-hmm. And then we get a really, really long shot of him and the brother kind of like bro high-fiving and like huddling and then they walk away and I guess it's fine. Yeah. And like, why give me, why why do that entire explosion of anger if you're not gonna give me the catharsis of the forgiveness? Like that's what you need. You need this kind of give and take um, because again, these stories work at least as podcasts when the story is about the people and mm-hmm. not necessarily the murder. Exactly. Yeah. It, it just felt inconsistent. And one, you know, my biggest gripe with this whole movie is the, the rapid shifting of like direction and ideas mm-hmm. because, you know, it's a, it's a whodunit at yeah. one point, then it's a journey of self discovery. Mm-hmm. And like you have to BJ Novak dealing with this guilt, but it never like gets full. That's another thing that doesn't get fully addressed. Yes. It's presented a bunch, but it never gets fully resolved unless killing the guy that murdered a girl you were hooking up with is resolution to why you feel guilt about living in hookup culture. Do they? Do, yeah. That whole you thing know? is, is a whole nother bit, but yeah, like they do kind of like, I, I had the idea. I thought it would be a good song. Like the idea of falling in love with somebody after they die. Cause you finally get to know them. That would be a, and that, like, that is kind of what they're hinting at. Yeah, like well, he's he's getting to watch videos of her singing and like getting to know her family. And it's like, oh my God, maybe I have made some mistakes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe life is more than me just hooking up with girls and drinking in, in New York. Like maybe there's something here. Yeah. And they kind of allude to that in some yeah. of like the acting, but it's never really addressed in a nope. direct way nope. when everything else in this movie is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that could have been tied together, together with a like a bow of a monologue or something. something. You know, because you have this shot of him at the end of the movie riding on a train back in New York, yeah. looking all introspective. Yeah. Like that would have been a good time for even a small monologue. Totally. You know, whatever. It, like, it's what, ir- yeah. It's ironic to me that in in a movie that is so heavily influenced by an audio medium that there wasn't more voiceover narration. Like we get a couple montages yeah. where you get his his dialogue as, he, as you know, we're getting like a, a, a sunset in a Texas oil field and then like a cut back to the editor desk and it's like a him talking. That would have been a great way to end the movie. I find those things to be pretty cheesy and tedious most of the time. But here it seems very apropos to the storytelling devices. And contextually, it would have fit perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's jump back in time in the movie briefly because I mentioned this. He shoots the music producer, Quentin Sellers, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. Uh, for for reasons of course but nothing about this character made me believe that he would shoot this guy no at all no he, there's even to the point where like he turns off his recorder oops just kidding i have another recorder in my pocket like that is that is the podcaster's revolver isn't mm-hmm. it it's like i gotcha i've been recording you and then kutcher's like in a pretty great monologue that is a little bit meta and a little dumb but still like all right release it i'll be a bad guy for all but then everybody's gonna have a take and once every, he does basically incredible boy from from the incredibles he's like then when everybody is super, nobody will be like, that's the thing he says. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's kind of true. Like that's commentary on some of the culture we're talking about. Um, but then he just shoots him. Yeah. It's like, I don't think so, no. dude. I don't know. Yeah. But point blank, cold blood. Mm-mm. And, and my, my take on that too was maybe he does, right? Maybe he, okay. maybe he does kill him, figures it out, murders the guy. He's not going to just wake up in the morning. Okay. No, this guy that we've been totally. in, through this whole movie with, yeah. He's going to be a mess. Yeah. This guy doesn't conflict at Wait, all. Where did he get the gun, by the way? It was in the brother's clothes that he got out of the closet. Okay. It was? Mm-hmm. All right. I yeah. didn't see that. Okay. 
Uh, yeah. So the uh, problems like that with the third act, just why there's no way in hell this person would have done that and yes. it wouldn't have been fine with it. And also just the, what is this movie about? Yes. Like it was so entertaining. I'm looking over a lot of that in my rating, but the critic yeah. in me is like, is this a journey of self-discovery? Is this him trying to solve a murder? Yeah. Is this him yes. trying to get over stereotypes? Is this a commentary on, you know, the epidoid, uh, epidoid? Epi- I love it. The epidoid epidemic. Sure. Opioid epidemic. Yeah. That's a weird mm-hmm. syllabic experience there. Anyways, it, it has all these things that it could be about. And in mm-hmm. small ways, it kind of is about all of them. Yeah. But it never really fully is about any one of them. No. Here's how the movie should have ended, if I may. Give me it. Fight in the parking lot at Whataburger goes bad. Whatever. We go back to the house. By the way, why did they let him back in the house? I don't, I guess they're fine. Yeah. Whatever. He opens her phone, finds out that it's actually been Quentin the whole time. He goes to the party at the, whatever, the oil field. He sees Ty, the brother, feeling so upset for having railed against him because it's every, it's antithetical to everything we've learned. He wants to believe that these are not bad people. It was a bad impulse. He's not an uptight city guy. Like he sees it. He apologizes. He goes, look what I found out. It was, it was, bum, bum, bum. It was Quentin. Ty loses his shit, goes into the tent, finds Quentin. He's a, got him at gunpoint, yelling. That's when, that's when Ben walks in. He goes, no, 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 this isn't the way. Talks Ty down. Then he pulls out the recorder after getting to it. He, no, the gun's still up. Quentin's losing his mind. He's admitting everything. Then we get that on tape. Then Ben's like, look, Ty, I have this recorder. Remember what I told you? We're not going to go kill him. This is the way to get our vengeance. We're gonna, and then we've, we've resolved the emotional issues with those two. We've got our story. And then Quentin, I don't know, goes to jail or something. And then maybe Ty learned something too. Totally. Like everyone's evolving. That's the move. That would have been then a good Quentin ending. kills himself. I don't know. And then his, and he records his last thing. He's like, this is my voice. Because that's his whole thing. He's like, right. this is all we have left in this cosmic sparkle echo chamber, dude. Which yeah. is true, but also shut up. It's annoying. Yeah. But still. That would have been, if anyone in this movie was going to be killing somebody, it would have been Ty. It should have been Ty. It should have been Ty, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or yes. I don't know. And so like in the, back to the normal version, Ben leaves the tent, like goes and talks to Ty. Presumably he's like, hey, I killed that dude. Mm-hmm. And Ty's like, nice, brother. Let's yeah. uh, let's go anyway, brother. What's it? Yeah, what do they say? What's the five four five thing? Oh, uh, heart sees heart. Heart sees heart. Pretty sick slogan. Yeah, I like that. Heart like game like a game respect game, but mm-hmm. it's like heart. It's like a more uh, lovey dovey version. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I think that's how the movie could have gone. Yeah, and I think it would have been better for it. But for me, it's yeah, it's still a five for me, and you're still can, you can't change it now. But yeah, eight point no. two for you, five for me. Do you have anything else on vengeance? It, it was still so entertaining. It it rated high for me. I really did have a good time watching it I did and too. the family was so endearing and honestly the the little kid mason mason he, yeah. he got me he was just so precious. totally he was great and like some of that like that stuff i didn't need the relationships to be developed between ben and like the sisters because they didn't do much yeah but like the little stuff like the kid was afraid of ghosts yeah speaking of things that people would never do the the sure. blonde sister this yeah when she just came in and said see my phone crack yeah it, I, I like it like that because it makes me yeah it looks how i feel and then she just leaves like, I, I what also, the fuck it was, was a that? weird moment dude i like, like what, i'm not sure if he was trying to play it as a joke like that's like because maybe that is something like a 17 year old who's trying to become famous and, like thinks that's what like a celebrity would say like look here's an artsy thing about me and my but also like well how does that serve the movie yeah. i don't think it does like it felt like a scene that should have been edited for sure oh yeah it should have so yeah this movie runs we haven't said yet but about 107 minutes an hour uh, 47 minutes yeah um that's not right did i say 147 or 107 i don't remember i meant you, to say 107 okay yeah just about an hour 45 um, 
so it's not short. Like it, it's not like he was totally struggling for material, but it did feel like there's a lot of unnecessary, redundant shots in here. Mm-hmm. A lot of it happens in cars where you'll get uh, sort of a close up on on like BJ Novak's face from he's in the passenger seat, so from like driver's side, and then it'll cut around the camera wheel to a dead on shot of him straight. And I don't understand why there's no reason to make that edit. It yeah. doesn't teach you anything. Doesn't nothing. Didn't add much visually. No. And it's, yeah. I think it's, if nothing else, a sign of a new director trying to create a dynamic film and whatever. It's fine. It's just uh, not particularly intelligent editing, if you ask me. Would you say that this movie had potential for him to be successful as a director? Yeah, I'll, I'll watch his next thing. I, I think the ideas at the core of this are somewhat intriguing. So, yeah. More structure. A little more structure, a little more discipline, a little more direction, probably. Uh, direction in the sense of thematic direction rather than cinematic direction. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah and I'd watch that, it. That's a direct result of him writing the screenplay. So it starts with him, man. Yeah, totally. And him directing it and yeah. him starring. Like, yeah. yeah, you get a full idea of what his vision was. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's pretty fair to judge him on all of it. Yeah, I think, I think the ability to direct and star in and write your movie is not something a lot of people should do. I think Orson Welles was equipped to do it. Like, yeah. And maybe, maybe stop there, you know? I'm sure there's others. There's a few yeah. in modern day, but they're far and few between. Mm-hmm. Few and far between. Yeah, and they're they're all massively established um, actors that go on to direct and end yes. up directing themselves. And very rarely do those people star in their movies. Like like Olivia Wilde is directing um, this upcoming movie called I think it's called uh, Don't Worry, Don't Worry, Darling. Yep, and she's in it, but she's not the main character. Like I didn't even think she was in it. She pops up. Oh, I, she's I've only like, seen the trailer. Okay, but, uh, yeah, she's like one of the housewives in there. Yeah, Florence um, Pugh is the main character. Yes, and I think that's like that's probably the move. Like. If I don't know why you would do that necessarily, it feels like an ego thing either way. But but still, like directors appearing in their movies is fine with me. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just it seems like when, as a director, you wear that many hats, things get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and maybe you need someone to direct you. That's totally. not you. Totally. Uh. Okay. Let's get a move on. You want to do beer number two? Hell yeah. All right, dude. We got beer number two in front of us. We've dug it out of our podcast polar ice cap. And uh, it's ready for for the drinking. Polar ice cap was too cold. What's like less cold than that? I guess a nice chest. Our igloo? <laughs> yeah, our igloo. Oh, nice. So beer number two, walk me through it. I just see a green can with a skull in front of me. What the heck is it? It's called the Jewels. It is our second beer from Hot Butcher for the World. It is a Mosaic and Vic Secret hopped double IPA that clocks in at 7.5%. What you should know about Vic Secret hops, uh, they're going to be aromatic you need a lot of pineapple, maybe a little passion fruit. Yep. A little bit of uh, like resiny weed okay. type smell. Sure. Uh, they are very similar, but a more um, subdued version of a galaxy hop. Gotcha. Okay. If people wanted to look up this beer, are you saying jewels like the vape pen, jewels like the gender neutral French name? Jewels uh, like or run jewels the jewels. Like the measurement? Oh, jewels like the gems. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Like uncut keep going. gems. Yeah. yeah. Uncut jewels. Uh, that'd be a movie about circumcision. I think <laughs> uncut or, jewels, you know, um, or like castration, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it'd be castration. Um, great, starring Adam Sandler. <laughs> if this was, uh, if this was just my show, I'd probably cut. I'd edit that out so I don't sound like an idiot. But oh, that's awesome! It's not the rules we play by, my friend. Fuck that. So, um, the other type of jewels is the I think energy uh, measurement. I believe it's spelled J O J O U L E S. If that's I'm not gigawatts, mistaken. man. No. No, it's also a British clothing company, which what a time to be alive is comes up before the unit of energy. It's also uh, one of the stars of Euphoria. That's the that's the gender neutral French name that I mentioned. Oh, yeah, that's where it comes from. It means youthful. Yeah, Fun but fact. you didn't shout out her. Well, no, Hunter Schaefer. No. Shout out. Yeah, 
No, I was just shouting out. See I, you out here, I'm Hunter. a fan of etymology more so than people. That's actually a thing that I would swear by. That's, that's, <laughs> that's I the most words to people. That's the most Max Minardi yeah. thing I've ever said. It's a yeah. miracle you put up with me this long. <laughs> um, okay. You're sipping it. I love that when we get to this second beer, we're just, we kind of loosen up a little bit and we're talking about different variations of the word jewels. But the one we're talking about is J-E-W-E-L-S. It is the name of this New England style uh, beer. That beer's a lot. Yeah. In a good way or a bad way? I haven't decided yet. It is a lot. Uh, this is a pungent flavor. Mm. It is. It smells of fresh pineapple juice, but then you get this explosion of bitterness. It looks like it's going to be sweet. It, this it looks, is sweet. This looks very New England style. It is My very New England style. My first sip was all bitter. So no, I'm, there's, I'm, a, there's a ton of bitterness. I'm going back to the well. Uh, no, it's very it's very sweet. It's, it's along the lines of like a Moxa double IPA or um, even... Uh, do you remember when we did... I don't know why this came to mind, but there's a brewery called Novo Brazil... And we did a beer called Jobim style. Jobim haze, I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. There's a, a tropical haziness that happens in some of these New England, Imperial New England IPAs that uh, is right on the line. It's almost like if you look at a, a spectrograph of audio and you have the high end turned really up and the low end turned up really high, you get like a boom and it's and nothing in the middle. That's how this is, except the highs and the lows are sweetness and bitterness. Somebody scooped the mids right out of this beer. It's gone. It's just on one side, very bitter, very hoppy. On the other, very sweet. And it's not a malty sweetness like in the pale ale. It's a it's a bright hoppy sweetness. Yeah, very juicy sweetness. Yeah, um, I like this style of beer. It's it's not necessarily a nuanced style, um, but it's one that I enjoy. Yeah, I wouldn't even really call this a New England style. Why not? Uh, New England style is usually sweeter. My man, that's what I'm saying. It's so sweet. I don't think this. I mean, it's. I don't know if your palate's off in that light. This is how, way sweet. I don't think how some... It, yeah, I'm getting bitterness more predominantly. I get that there are sweet notes to this, but the bitterness is overpowering it for me. Okay. See, I think it's pretty close. I think there's a ton of bitterness for sure, and it, which is great. I think the hops being being highlighted here are giving given plenty of space to shine. But I also think there's enough sweetness to back it up that for me, it's of course, so obviously a New England IPA. Like it's one of the sweeter ones that I've had. There's just also the bitterness to, to counterbalance it or offset it maybe. I got to pull this up from their website. Okay. Uh, does it, what are you looking for on the website? What they actually classify it as style wise. Oh, I see. Like, yeah. Cause it, I guess the can just does say double IPA, doesn't it? Yeah. That's this. Why did you write, why did you write New England IPA on the notes? When did I find it? Oh, that's weird. I could have sworn. Didn't you not? No, hang on. I think I'm right. Uh, and like all humble people, I can admit when I'm wrong, it does not say that anywhere on our notes. Why have we said that? I haven't. Oh, oh, you know what? This doesn't save me, but when I was reading our, our <laughs> here it is, our second beer from our episode in September of last year, <laughs> which is on the notes, <laughs> says Imperial New England IPA. And that's all I've seen up till this point. Mm. So now that I've scrolled down, yeah. Not a great uh, excuse, but it is the reason. So this is maybe just an unfiltered double IPA because there's no, the word hazy is not on the website. Okay. The website for this beer just uh, from Hot Butcher says double India pale ale, seven and a half percent mosaic big secret. Okay. So this drives me nuts a little bit because this is so ambiguous then that I guess you could make the case. I'm not wise enough in the methods of making beer. I don't even understand the distinction between an unfiltered IPA and a New England style IPA. If I'm correct in assuming you could ostensibly make a West Coast double IPA and just not filter it, mm -hmm. but that wouldn't give the flavor profile that we're getting here. This tastes to me like a New England style hazy IPA. 
Yeah, more so than a double IPA. Easily. Off the shelf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So by and large, stylistically, appearance and flavor profile, this would lend itself to. Yeah, if it looks like and it smells like, you know, kind of tastes like. Right. Uh, maybe we'll get in touch with the brewery. We'll see what we can do. Because I actually would like to really put this one. To, just call the tap room. What the fuck is this we've, beer? We've done that before on the show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I can only go off what they present to me. But it's presenting uh, the beer itself. It seems to identify as a hazy. I think so, too. Because I can't see through it. No. And it looks like orange juice. And it's sweet. And yeah. it smells fairly sweet. Mm-hmm. And there's bitterness, too. But I've had bitter-ish, hop bitter uh, New England IPAs before. Yeah, man. This is a ton of pithiness, though. It's pithy and punchy in its its earthiness it is like right there like it takes over about halfway through this was canned on june 13th mm, june 7th oh this says it was last canned on june 13th that must be when the canning run ended wait yes sure <laughs> took me a second um um so yeah i'm i'm massively overcome with bitterness from about the first the first twenty-seven to thirty-four percent of this beer is sweet. <laughs> okay, and then going forward, it is just dominated by bitterness. The middle to end of this beer, the second and third act of this beer, are just straight up just bitter. bitter. Okay, and <clears throat> I like that. I like bitter beers. See, it's I'm not I'm having a different experience. I'm trying my best to think of another analogy that will work pretty well. Um, okay, imagine this: you're underwater, everything's a little bit muted, and then. It's you're kind of floating, and even the sunlight's a little bit softer down there. It's a little bit cooler, and then you got to come up for air. So it's like, and that's when the sun hits you right in the eyeballs. That's the bitterness of the hops, of course. And then you take your breath, you go back underneath, and it's sweet and calm again. That's it's like swimming in a pool on a sunny day for me. This beer is. It feels imbalanced to me. It feels like the wrong kind of sweetness coupled with a completely um, contrasting and not in a good way style of bitterness. Okay. I think the two worlds are colliding in a way that is abrasive on my palate. Okay. And it's resulting in, quite frankly, not the most enjoyable drinking experience. That sucks. Um, I think it's great. I'm very much into it. I'd also like to correct my analogy. It should have been from the perspective of a whale coming up for air. Because a whale spends most of its time in the water. Whereas a swimmer would be native to the land. Usually. So coming out of the water would be unnatural. Well, it would be natural, but being underneath is the strange part. Mm -hmm. For me, I think the natural resting place of this beer is sweet. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not loving where the sweetness is coming from. It's almost cane sugary. I love cane sugar. I don't taste that, but yeah, sure. It's just, it's so like one-dimensionally sweet, like oversweet fruit juice, just like tasting of just sugar, okay. white sugar versus these hops that are multidimensional and robust. And I would have loved it if they'd leaned more into the hop profile of this and dialed back the sweetness, quite frankly. Okay, well, I predict a dichotomy in the ratings of this beer between you and I, not different, not too different from the extremes of the sweetness that you are perceiving to the lack of extremes of the uh, hoppiness that I'm expecting. That did not make any sense coming out. I was really hoping to pull that off. I just think you and I are going to rate this beer very differently, Yeah, what I'm trying to say. Definitely, just Great. because... Hmm. Yeah, the, this this needs this needs some some work and some loving for me. I'm not. Ah, this one's tough, man. Like I love this brewery, but this beer is is way subpar for me. It's uh, wait, don't say it. Yet. I'm, sorry. I'm gonna say no, it. It's it's uh it's aggressively bitter, and I think if they could have found a more harmonious balance between the two mm-hmm. contrasting flavors, 
it would just work better. But it's like it's sickly like the stick of a fun dip sweet mm-hmm. and then the outside of a grapefruit bitter. And it's just it's not working for me. So okay. I'm not gonna to rake this beer across the coals much longer, but that's that's my take. Uh, I think it's great. I think that it works really well. There are specific flavors here that, yeah, clearly don't work for everybody. But I think the sweetness combined with the hoppiness from the Vic Secret, presumably being a little bit of a fruitier one, works really, really well. Um, it reminds me, yeah, of like a very, very straightforward but aggressive hazy IPAs. Like we did one on the show a while back. I was just trying to find the episode. Um, maybe you can remind me of the brewery, but the beer was called Breaking Hues or or... It was either Breaking Hues or Audible Hues. Do you remember this? Mm-mm. It was on our old Instagram, which is RIP. We can't go look, but um, dang. Okay, well. Sounds familiar, but yeah. There's sometimes on the ends, which is actually what I'm really liking about this, because sometimes on those beers, when you get towards the end of the can, which I just did, I double-checked in mine, like, see if there was any uh, sediment or residue. There was not. <laughs> but when you get to like the bottom quarter of some of those beers, the astringency and the bitterness of some of that unfiltered stuff gets really disgusting mm-hmm. and this doesn't have that which is great because that's the reason i don't finish some of those beers this yeah. is i i i love this beer whoa yeah i think it's really good that's wild man yeah, I think it's great it's not for me well you love it so much once you rate it okay <laughs> you love it so much once you rate it dude uh it's a nine dude i think it's really really good i drink the crap out of this again you said this was the more expensive one being how much i think it was like eight, eight. I think, yeah i'd buy this again it was either 6.99 or 7.99 yeah, this is a great deal. I'd, 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 I'll go to an SNS tomorrow and get more. You can go tonight. Yeah, I've got stuff to do. That's fair. <laughs> okay, what about you? Out of 10, uh, the jewels. 3.7. Very Ooh, disappointing. Yikes, what a bummer. Yeah, not not the worst beer I've ever had, but not good Okay, for well, me. For this, for this beer enthusiast, it's a bummer. Anything else on the Hop Butcher for the world? By and large, their beers are must drink. Pretty great. Like must drink beers. Like if you see one on a shelf, you're going to try it out. Yeah. So, and I think one miss, uh, even if it's big. Oh, a 0.75 in, like, batting average? Yeah. Okay. Like in my opinion, if this is a big miss for mm-hmm. me, which it is, I'm still going to pick up every beer I see from them because Agreed. I have that much confidence. So yes. don't sleep on them, even though I shit all over this beer. Yeah. Yeah. At the Like it's a pretty safe bet on this show that if you're sort of a, a, a you know, a fan of craft beer and you drink sort of regularly different craft beers and we aren't both like it's trash. There's a chance you'll like it. Like if one of us is like, it's really good. You might like it. Yeah. So just try it. 50, 50 chance <laughs> at the very least. You got it. Um, okay. Let's move into hot and bother. What do you think? Let's do it. Hot and Welcome to hot and bother. The part of the show, where we set aside our affection for movies or our, our, our obligatory affection for film and craft beer. And talk about other stuff if we want to, though I don't really know what you have on yours, uh, except for one thing that we're both going to talk about. Do you want to start with that or end with that? Let's end with that, because we're both going to vamp on that for a minute. There's a new show on HBO Max from Nathan Fielder, who, if you don't know, is most famous for his previous show on Comedy Central, Nathan, for you. It's great, especially if you like awkward sort of reality TV kind of situations. I happen to love that. He put out a new show called The Rehearsal. There's three episodes out now. The first one was like 44 minutes. The other two are about half hours. And it's HBO, so they're like full half hours. Um, he has taken it up a level and is now creating scenarios where un- underneath the premise that life can be less scary if you can predict what's going to happen. So he helps everyday people 
prepare themselves for strenuous life situations like what it might be like to have a baby. If you're, if you're gonna decide to have a baby, maybe you should have a practice run. Or if you have to have a conversation with your brother about who's getting the money from the inheritance from your dead grandpa. Maybe we run through that scenario. Maybe we build an entire fake bar, hire 30 actors and run through it a dozen times. Or more. And yeah. it's all sort of underneath the umbrella of his strange TV persona, though I've not seen it break, so it might just be who he is, though I doubt it because he's so adept at human behavior that he's gotta just be doing a character. Um, of being insecure and alone and trying to find human connection in these terribly awkward situations. It's so good if you like it. If you don't like that kind of thing, you will hate this show. Mm -hmm. It's terribly uncomfortable, but I think it's wonderful. I love sitting in the atmosphere of this show. Yes. The first episode, I was just like giggling the whole time, like nervous energy. I know. Dude. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, Who recommended this show to you? Well, a couple people. You did, yes. of course. But then um, my- I don't care about them. You I do. just wanted the credit. So my friend Sean, who passed away recently, loved Nathan For You. There was oh. an episode of Nathan For You where he had, he wore this like uh, soft shell jacket um, from a ski, like some company, mm -hmm. like a prominent outerwear company or outdoor wear company. And a lot of people that watch the show wrote in and be like, hey, like the owner of this company just came out and said like they were a Holocaust denier. So he started his own company called Summit Ice when the slogan of the company was deny nothing. <laughs> and and every and every like display he put up in sports stores, he put like literature about the Holocaust and like did like like chimneys and like put like Holocaust clothes near. Anyways, wow. Sean's wife bought him a Summit Ice jacket. Stop. Anyway, it. so she's the other person. She texted me a few nights ago. I was like, hey, I don't know if you know, but like Nathan put out another show and like, here you go. So a couple of people who, whose opinions I quite respect. I love it. Uh, it's definitely worth a watch. It's on HBO Max. Again, it's called The Rehearsal. Check it out. Let us know what you think if you watch it. I second that. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Um, what you got, dude? I've got Brian McAllister. Uh, okay. Why? Because I could also have Brian McAllister because he didn't come to our damn sparklegasm, but nope. He is, lives is far it, away and okay. kids and <laughs> All right. responsibilities. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. Okay. This guy got me a Blackstone griddle delivered to my house for my birthday. Very fun. Yeah. I just got you a duffel bag. I've been wanting you, not just, <laughs> I've already used that <laughs> okay, on sure. an overnight trip, sir. All right, good. Yeah. Oddly enough, the like the within a week or two of you giving me that, I had to take it to Reno. Awesome. Where you partially reside. Yeah. So it felt very... Um, Sort of full. I want to use the word acrimonious, and I don't know if it's the right word to use. I don't actually. Either. Let's fucking rip it. Let me let me Google it. It felt very acrimonious. Let's use it for now. Yeah. To to take that uh, very fitting of me to use that on that first trip. Angry and bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I did use it in a very angry and bitter fashion. So oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's like my new favorite word. Maybe harmonious could work. Yeah, but uh, acrimonious is good. Serendipitous. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. It was befitting. Uh, but no, yeah, I've I've wanted one for a while. I've talked about it, and just kind of out of the blue, surprised me with it. Showed up today, showed oh, up cool, this afternoon. Man. So super high on that. I haven't even had a chance to talk to him. We both have been swamped with work. Sure, uh, spoke to him for like ten minutes earlier today. But uh, we're immortalizing this moment now. Yeah, yeah, we'll tell him to listen to this because that's a pretty cool gift. Yeah, well uh, done, Brian. Yeah, thanks, man. That's like one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. It's a great gift. It's pretty cool. Um. Okay. Was it better, Johnny, than the gift of a lot of our patrons coming to your house and drinking hard seltzers? Probably. It probably was. You don't know yet because you haven't used well, it. Well, see, that's, that's the thing, though. That's, that's a gift that we gave to the world. We're, we're the gift givers in this situation. But when you give a gift, don't you kind of feel like you're getting one? I give a gift yeah. just for the feeling I just, of Just giving. the feeling of getting yeah. a gift. Um, we're talking, of course, about Sparklegasm. So uh, preliminary, immediate shout out to all the patrons from our Patreon that came to that. What a time that turned out to be. Man, what a blast. We um, had some new patrons, some long timers. 
some person that walked by in the alley that became a patron looking at you, Sebastian. What yeah. up, dude? Friend, cool, friend, cool of, friend of all of us that's just been orbiting yeah. outside. He's basically your He was literally orbiting outside. I heard somebody's voice and I peeked over the fence. I was like, Sebastian? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, what's up, dude? Yep. Uh, we'd all been drinking a little bit. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and I may or may not have peer pressured him a little bit into, like I might have asked me, can I get your phone for a minute? And here's... Uh, Patreon, you want to? What's your credit card information? <laughs> Good God, <laughs> but he hasn't canceled yet. So welcome to the club, my friend. Yeah. Um. Anyways, in our club, we do things like sparklegasm. Johnny, lay it out, because of course I will sort of turn this into a shameless plug very briefly. Yeah. No, it's not a plug. This is what happens. This is how we get down, son. Yeah. We've all been to Stout Bottle Shares. We've been to IPA Bottle Shares. They're a boring. Blast. No, they're oh. amazing. Sorry, they're I'll, lovely. I'll they keep the lights on this fucking studio, bud. <laughs> Uh, so as much as we love craft beer in our downtime, we've been known to imbibe in many, 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 many seltzers. Yeah. And it's something that we, we drink in our off time and, and we've tried to get other people to enjoy and like break that stigma. Like, yeah. dude, it's refreshing. It's yeah, delicious. Dude. I'm like, when I don't drink beer, I drink vodka soda, which is just a high proof seltzer. Which like, is a more pain in the ass seltzer to make. Yeah, exactly. There's steps more literally and metaphorically and metaphysically. What's the literal part? Literally, you have to take more steps because you walk from oh. the cabinet to get a glass, okay. <laughs> to the fridge, to the ice maker, to the kegerator that has sparkling water. It's then you long. forget the lime juice because you're dumb. Sure. And you've already had too many seltzers, so you have to walk back to the fridge to get the lime juice to complete the cocktail. It's a fucking ordeal. Sure. You know how easy it is to just open a white cloth? One step. One step, yep. baby. One step. Two if you're shotgunning. Exactly. Which, we Which did. you made us do. Which I Don't did. Don't say make... we did. We did. You we made did. us do this, and then we did it. Um, it was so, great. Johnny made a tri tip. I was getting there. I'm just. I wanted to. I'm patting you on the back. Thanks, man. Yeah. Did you like it? It was great. It was you good. had two different rubs. Yeah, Nick Land made one of them. Very. I good. thought that that would be pretty cool to totally. like use some of the stuff he's made in cooking. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you've been to a million bottle shares. Have you ever been to a seltzer share? Well, guess what? We had one, and it's the first annual. For sure, we're doing this again next year. Next summer, dude. It's too hot. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. And we had so many. And there's a lot of breweries doing craft seltzers now. We had yes. some great ones from Eel River, from Kona Brewing, from... Belching Beaver, um, which um, were um, disgusting, by the way. Belching Beaver sucked. Those I got to call my buddy that works man. for them. I'm going to file a complaint. I think we should do this more strategically and, and, and systematically, but I, we could probably come up with like best and worst of the night. Oh, yeah. We're doing one of the best of the night on, on Patreon, actually. That'll yeah. be the bonus episode this week. But Absolutely. The Belching Beavers were up there with the worst ones. So I purchased all of the seltzer, and a lot of it was stuff that we had never had before, which was really fun. We did the Bang Energy Drink flavored <sighs> seltzers. I loved those. You ones. really like those. sweet. They have 12 packs of them at Spikes. Sweet. Yeah. Anyways, that was the gist of it. We had old patrons, new patrons, friends of the show. Non-patrons. Non-patrons. Raleigh. Get back on. (laughs) Yeah, you just kind of showed up, didn't you, bud? (laughs) No, Um, it was great to see those people, though. It was awesome. It was fantastic. It was really the first big thing we've done like this since since before COVID. Yes. Uh, We've done small get-togethers and movie nights and bar hangs, Mm -hmm. but to have a real full-on thing... It felt right, finally. It felt like the time to do mm-hmm. it, and I think everyone was feeling it, too. It was a blast, and when you're drinking things that are 5%, nobody falls down and acts foolish. Like yeah. It was just overall such a great night. Um, everyone brought good food to eat. Mm-hmm. Lori made some amazing spring rolls. Shout out. I mean, a lot every, of shout outs. This, that man, makes sense. Well, makes patrons sense. deserve it, man. They, yeah. they came full force, yeah. ready to party, ready to eat some good food. Totally. Susan brought some killer potato salad. Dude, I didn't get to try that. It was really good. Um, our another new patron ish, Rob, brought some meatballs, mm-hmm. which everybody like was eating the tri tip until well, that was gone. But then like the meatballs were still there, and then those became a huge hit. Yeah, they were super sudden, good. They were tasty. 
made without pork. He made them. Yeah, he was Shout like, out. if you're gonna have one, I'm gonna make them without pork. Uh, to me, of course, which I don't eat, but it was super good. I love it. So, anyways, it was the biggest, bestest, best time. I know you had a blast. I had a blast. Yeah, dude. I think everyone had a blast. Um, and I would absolutely highlight of the weekend. It was great. Hundred percent. Uh, was that that was Saturday? Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah, that was great. Hundred <laughs> percent. Sure. Um, yeah, it was so fun. I mean, there's there's a lot of highlights. I'm sure we will at some point on our Instagram put a post of some of those highlights. Oh, uh, like you singing Wonderwall. Oh, I forgot I did that. Yeah. Not that I was drunk or anything, but I forgot that was a, a thing that I owed um, a patron basically yep. uh, from years ago when my van broke. She down. got it in person. Yeah, it was great. Um, did we sing more songs? Uh, kind of. We like half sang some songs. There was a lot of sing-alongs happening. I don't know. It's pretty rare that I will uh, care enough to pull out a guitar at a show. It feels very douchey to me. Yeah. Uh, but I was pinned down. I was like, you have. I owe this to. Yeah. to so, and and, and people were very sporty about it. And thanks for letting me do that. Set and setting. It was. It was perfect. We yeah. gave Rob some some Tupperware. Played some drums on. That was great. That was fun. Yeah. It was a good time. Uh, it was lovely, man. Yeah. Seltzers were shotgun. Tears were shed. Yeah. Drinks were hefted. We started at three Yeah, in the afternoon, which actually in my brain when we started, I was like, this is too early. But mm-hmm. then, you know, we were done by like 11, which is a solid work day oh, of drinking. Were. Oh yeah, that's true. I had to, yeah, we took off, but uh, good, good all around day. Got to, I love when there's, cause stouts are fun. Like, you know, it's winter time and like we're all drinking 12 percent things, but you know, two hours in, like people are drunk mm-hmm. and the conversations that ensue are not the most fruitful. You don't get to know people that well. It's just like sort of drunken debauchery. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. We're drinking like lighter stuff. So I had some great conversations with people. It was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm a sucker for a night of debauchery. I am too. But it's like when we haven't gotten together for so long, it's nice to catch up with people and have coherent conversations for a few hours this and like catch like up the, with different people. It's like the warm up get together. Sure. I think this is the move. I think it's sparklegasm in the summer, stoutgasm in the winter. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And then like bar hangs, of course, throughout the year. But yeah. And movie nights. And, yeah. And all and of whatever. the other stuff on Patreon. But these are the two big ones, I think. I like that. I do too. It's a thing. Two big events a year. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. That concludes my contribution to Hot and Bothered. Do you have anything else? No, nah, man. Thanks to Brian McAllister, my number one favorite patron that wasn't at the party. Okay, that's fine. I guess. Um, Whatever. You're all my favorite. You know, Bailey almost made it. What? She was here the night before helping me with the music oh. project, which would have been apropos because, of course, this podcast wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. An extra big special shout out to all of our people on Patreon, including our new friends, Sebastian and Matt. Welcome to the... Uh, cult. Cult, sure. Uh, happy to have you. And shout out to the handlebar. Check out their happy hour if you'd like. It's a pretty good one. Uh, I think that's all I got. So that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Next week, we've got Bullet Train coming up yeah. with Beers Unknown. Sure. So that's a fun adventure we'll go on together. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we'll see you next week. Uh, drink some seltzers because they're delicious. They're so good. Watch a good movie or a bad movie that you enjoy. Love it. Most importantly, always be good to each other. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.